Robots Radio. Games. Lore. Stories. Community. Just press play. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Robots Radio presents You're listening to the Dungeons and Dragons Lorecast The best way for everyone from experienced dungeon masters To those curious about D&D To learn more about the worlds, creatures, and lore of Dungeons and Dragons Well, welcome back to the Dungeon Dragons Lurecast. I'm your host, the Almighty Crit, and joining me is my fellow host, Sergio. I am the dungeon. <laughs> I guess I'm the dragon. So um, we're chilling in the tower. We got kind of bored. I was tinkering with some spells. We decided to uh, invite uh, the OG himself, Stuart, back to the tower to talk about Here magic spells. That's me, ready to talk about magic spells. And we uh, thought, we, we, we thought, what a warm welcome. You came, you brought pizza with us. Yeah. Not just, yeah, not just Little Caesars, but yeah. some, not that I complain. I like Little Caesars. Pizza's pizza. It doesn't matter. Shame. That's true. That is true. <laughs> we also have we their crazy bread, though. <laughs> That's what you really go to Little Caesars that for. Crazy and bread. We also brought Toasty in because... We've we've been listening to the Witcher well, Lorecast and thought we need to bring Toasty in here. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, you're also your 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 spell casting uh, isn't as uh, precise as one would hope. We don't we don't and, talk about that. Okay, listen. And so look, like, I was just, just coming just on. Out of nowhere. I, I was just coming on because I figured y'all could help me. You know, get my my Witcher my Witcher spells up to snuff. All right. You know, the signs just aren't working out anymore. I need to figure out how to make it really effective. We we got you. We got you. We can do that. We can do that. <laughs> so let's dive into this. And let's start with our least favorite magic spell. Me. I got one. <laughs> Stuart's like, I go. I go. Me, my me, turn. Me. Uh, my least favorite magic spell is True Strike. Oh. Ooh, that's... Yeah, I mean, yes. Yeah. Least Who's favorite, I don't has know. Anyone, has anyone ever cast it? You haven't cast it. <laughs> uh, well, has anyone ever cast it and been successful? You extend your hand and point a finger at a target in range. Your magic grants a brief insight into the target's defenses. On your next turn, you gain advantage 
on your first attack roll against the target, provided the spell hasn't ended. Because it's concentration, so you could get hit as well and lose that ability, uh, and you get advantage. I don't, I don't want to throw shade on 5e, but everyone's got advantage all the time. So, like, <laughs> it's it's I it has been on my list ever since I started playing 5e, and I've never cast it. I think it's a dumb spell. <laughs> and it takes a whole fucking action. Sorry for swearing. But yeah, oh, that's, no. That's, no, it's cool. <laughs> I'm Australian and we have to. It, it's in the rules. We don't, it's yeah. in the rule book it's of Australians. Book. Yes. Uh, no, yeah. The, the What really makes that a broken spell is the fact that it takes an entire turn, essentially. Yeah, you it'd be cool if it was a if, like a bonus action. Uh, you know, and like it, the idea is, cool, you can cast it on the fighter who's in in the midst or the 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 rogue who's in the midst of battle mm -hmm. uh but then they get hit or you get hit and you you can lose it anyway i don't like true strike no yeah <laughs> like perhaps like a bonus action once or twice per long rest mm. you know you don't want to be able to give them the ability to do this every single time but um but the fact that yeah it's that it takes an entire role like you said it could easily be taken away toasty mm -hmm. what do you got to say I have a spell. Oh, let's hear it. <laughs> I don't even know, uh, like, aesthetically wise, it's cool, but I think it might be one of the most pointless spells I've ever seen, and I've never heard anyone using it ever. And that is Skyrite. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and it blows away. <laughs> I've never heard anyone do it. I think it's what, 10 words on yep. a cloud? Yep. And it's only there for a little bit. It's like there's like so many other communication spells that you can use other than that. And you should use them before yeah. you resort to that. That's just no. And you have to you have to like so you form clouds that make words, but if there's a strong wind, then they just blow away. And you have to concentrate on it. It's a concentration yeah. spell. <laughs> yes. Yes. Yeah, that, that spell sucks. Uh, oh my yeah, it's, gosh. Uh, it's like there's a lot of spells that are situational in D&D. &D, uh, and mm. that's one of those that's extremely situational. Like takes that to the extreme degree. Like, you know, you have to concentrate on it. And it can only be so many words. And it's got to be a, you know, non-windy day. <laughs> yeah. It's like... But why can't you just, I mean, like, I feel like there's so many others. I mean, the message cantrip, I feel like, is just even more effective than that. <laughs> oh, yeah, absolutely. It's yeah, like, if you're trying to communicate with someone with Skyrite, you know, like, you really got to tell something someone. You're also going to tell literally everyone else. Like anyone that looks up to the sky, you'll be like, oh, okay. <laughs> I need to escape from this prison. Let me tell my buddies. Oh, wait, the person who's imprisoning me just found out too. Darn. <laughs> he looked up. He looked up. Now he knows too. Oh uh, yeah, gosh. message. Message is one of my favorites. Message is one of those that's um, it's so malleable and adaptable. Yeah, that's right. Uh, and you can you can you can respond to it, can't you? Like if you if someone mm -hmm. if you send a message, yep. they can respond to you as well. Yeah, it's good. I uh, I would play so many pranks with it. Oh yeah, you can have a lot of fun <laughs> with it for sure. Oh, so Sergio, what's like, your least favorite spell? I wouldn't say it's it's a least favorite, but it's one that that 
I don't necessarily like all too much, and it's a favorite of many, but Magic Missile. What? Okay. The reason I dislike Magic Missile is because I feel a lot of new players that you know that are spell that play spellcasters lean too heavily on it. Mm-hmm. Rather than exploring like their other options, because you know it's a, it's almost it's a guaranteed hit, and you know, rather than than trying to figure out better like not better ways, but you know more original ways to play a spellcaster, they kind of stick to this. Like I've had mm-hmm. I've had uh, I've had games where uh, where a, a new player like wasn't really sure what to do and just like oh, magic missile, magic missile, magic missile. And it was like disheartening, you know. And I, and I try to talk to him like later and say like, "Hey, like if you want, we can work over your character." And he's like, "No, it's fine, you know, it's fine." But you know, my hope would be that, you know, uh, it's something that you kind of lean on it to begin with, but then sort of move away from. But mm-hmm. too often, I see players not moving away from it. Well, I mean, I know I can understand why. I mean, it's a direct hit. Yeah, and I mean, but that comes back to the the whole thing with the 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 succeed fail mechanic, mm-hmm. you know, like without, without there being a, a range or any sort of interesting thing that happens when you miss, people don't want to miss. Um, I get that a lot. I actually get that a lot at the D and D club at school, heaps and heaps of kids. If they have magic missile, they'll just hammer a magic missile. Like I've got a fighter. Yeah. <laughs> There's a fighter. I mean, yeah. Like okay. they'll just like button mash it essentially. Yeah. You know? like, I'll just use, I'll just, just, yeah. I got three spell slots. Yeah. You know, I Eldritch blast. Same way. Yeah. You know? yeah. <laughs> Hey, you don't talk smack about my Eldritch Blasts. <laughs> I do have Eldritch Blasts, some of my favorite. I've Eldritch. never used Magic Missile ever. Oh, what? And, and I've never used Eldritch Blast. Get out, Toasty. <laughs> Look, just because... You're you may be a D vet, but just because you're not creative enough to resort to other spells and not use the most broken cantrip in the entire game doesn't mean you can just banish me from the tower. Okay. I've set up shop. I'm here to stay. You've got a swarm of stand. It's great. It's great. Uh, but yeah, like it I get it's like you know, like Tosa said, it's a little broken. It's uh and Stewart said, you know, he's had kids just sort of like button mash it and you know, my hope would be that, you know, I mean, some there are some instances, like there are instances for everything in D&D. You know, there are instances for for brute force. There are instances for, mm-hmm. you know, rigid, like, you know, creative, like, you know, outside the box thinking. And spells like Magic Missile and Knowledge Blast sort of, you know, lead you to just do brute force over and over and over. True. Well, my least favorite spell is Dancing Lights. Yeah, that one's really, uh, yeah. really pointless. <laughs> I mean, Damn. you can get creative with it, but what really upsets me is the fact that you create four torch-sized lights within range, making them appear as torch, lanterns, glowing orbs, whatever you want. You can even combine all four lights to make like a humanoid shape. That's all cool and all, but they only shed light within 10-foot radius. Each orb. So that's why you line them up. It's like Minecraft torches. You just spread them out like between the the 10 foot. Okay. So you have one (laughs) 10 foot, then 10 foot apart. You have another one, then 10 foot apart. You have another one and you have 30 
<laughs> feet of light rather than just 10. There you go. Yeah, but the, the downside to that is you you only get it for a minute. Like, I feel yep. like that should have been a concentration at the very least. Or yeah, the duration is, been longer. Yeah, something that doesn't seem seemingly take mm-hmm. like too much, uh, I don't know, like power energy or whatever yep. it may be. I've, uh, I've seen these used in really creative ways. I mean, I have to agree with you there, Toasty. I mean, I know you can extend the lights and things, but I feel like, number one, you should be limited on the amount of light that you can summon based on what you decide to cast it at. I get it as a cantrip, but if you decide to cast it at like fourth level, maybe you should have six or seven orbs. Mm. You know, Um, which is actually what I just decided homebrewed. I just said, that's it. You cast at higher levels, you get more orbs. You know, and the higher level you cast it, the longer the duration. But fair enough. Yeah, I like that. That's why I don't like dancing lights. I I just like the aesthetic (laughs) value of it. I think I think it's it's pretty. It's pretty, like yeah. like I just whenever so whenever dancing lights is cast, I just imagine uh, Groot from Guardians of the Galaxy one. <laughs> yeah, I could see that. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. 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 That's cool. Uh, I have a, I have another. Oh, uh, what what is, is more it? More of a poorly named, I think, but detect good and evil. So if you look at that yep. spell on a list. Hmm. And you're playing, you're, you don't know what that spell does. And you go, I want to know if this person is evil or good. And you go, that's not how the spell works. <laughs> and like, that's As a DM, that's what you say to everyone that ever wants to cast that spell. Whenever someone wants to cast that spell, you're going to tell them that's not how it works. Unless they have, have been playing for a long time and read Because mm-hmm. it's like, you can find if there's a fey elemental uh, fiend. Undead. Or, that's, mm-hmm. Yeah. So you can detect those things within 30 feet. Within 30 feet, so people standing right next to you, which is handy if you think maybe you're speaking to a vampire. Um, but in general, uh, I dislike that spell, and I and I don't think I've ever really had anyone use it appropriately because they've always been like, I want to see if they're a bad person. That's not how the spell works. <laughs> Name it something no. else. I agree with that. But I also don't like it because evil and good are su- subjective things. So Yeah, that's right. Yeah. yeah. Like, so is it evil? Yeah. You just, you're... I mean, basically, that spell is just racial profiling, which is not an okay thing. <laughs> it's really yeah, not. That's right, yeah. It's a really yeah. bad thing. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, that's right. Oh my gosh. Uh, yeah, exactly right. And you know, and that's you know, the whole alignment thing is a mess, really, isn't it? Because it's like, like, well, I mean, so- that's why they've added that stuff to the to the. They've added typically chaotic mm-hmm. good to mm-hmm. stat blocks because it's like, well, they're not always good. I think we talked about this last time. Anyway. <laughs> um, well, no, uh, yeah, we discussed it in the Discord. Yeah. The Robots Radio Discord that you can join up and, and always chat with us in the D&D Lorecast channel. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, the, the switching from always lawful evil or chaotic good to typically because, you know, there are there are outliers. And, and like Tozy said, just to to say one a, a group of this group this race is or this creature or whatever is always this you know it's uh it's profiling it's at at worst it's profiling at at, at best it's just lazy yeah yeah big time yeah i have never had yeah, that's right. 
I don't think I've ever had an inherently evil race in my campaigns. Uh, well, that's no. I mean, that's uh, I mean, except you look for, at except for devils and demons. Even then, they're evil. Even then, well, I mean, they're evil too. Well, yeah, living things. <laughs> like, <laughs> okay, I'll give you that one. They want to destroy all life, so like anyone's like, "Well, that's a bad thing." They don't think they're evil; though. they're just doing what they want to do. Yeah, yeah. Well, um, you look um, historically. You look at like the more the more popular villains, like in comic books and and stuff, like uh, like Magneto in the history of mm. the X Men, or, or uh, like Killmonger in the Black Panther movie. These are villains. These are you know quote unquote villains with uh like different point of view than the protagonist and it's up to Mm. you know it's up to the viewer or reader to decide like you know whose point of view they subscribe to Mm -hmm. yeah like i totally agreed with thanos and infinity war too many people (laughs) too many dang people you could have snapped your fingers and just made more stuff like i don't (laughs) thanos in infinity war has to be the most sympathetic villain i've ever seen yeah he's, he's actually an excellent in game he was just a total asshole but well yeah in, in infinity war he was a he was uh he was a pretty decent dude just yeah, you know yeah. a little he, misguided yeah that's right i actually talk about him a lot in uh when i'm teaching media studies and looking at motivations and stuff and i'm like thanos is always a good one because it's like yeah he's evil but he's also like he's he doesn't think he's evil and he thinks he's doing a really good thing it's just yeah. mm-hmm. maybe going about it the wrong way. No, yeah, and that, I think if you can do that stuff. You know, adding that sort of, of uh, that sort of nuance into a D and D campaign is, I always like to do that rather than to say like, oh, this is a bad guy, and you know he's bad because he's like twirling his mustache and, you know, he's wearing all he's wearing dark colors. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's how you know the bad guy. He's wearing dark colors and twirling his mustache. Yeah. Oh. Exactly. He's got like a black cloak on and a, maybe like a top hat. <laughs> oh. And he says stuff like this. Shane. Shane. This is my turn. Do we have any other hated spells? I, I have plenty one. of like favorite spells. I have I, yeah. a lot of I got cool, a bad like, one. What do you, what do you got? One. What do you got? In, infestation. Oh. I actually like that, but tell me, it's, please tell me why you don't like it. It's it's one. It's a con save, which like eh, that's like one of the worst saves that you can have. Like con, just it's so everyone, reliable. Everyone, every, yeah, yeah, everyone picks con. Yeah, everyone it. has con, and a lot of the monsters <laughs> and stuff you go against are going to have high con saves. So that yeah. and it's poison damage, which is arguably just awful because it's yeah. it's it doesn't do anything a lot of things are immune or resistant mm-hmm. like just off of the jump how many races have poison resistance just at the start of things yeah and so, they don't become poisoned either just, it's just poison damage yeah, yeah. so it's it just if you're gonna go with any kind of damaging cantrip this is probably the last one you want to go with this is you only pick this for thematic purposes, like if you're playing a swarm keeper or something. <laughs> this is the only reason. <laughs> so, Stuart, why do you like that spell? Because they also move. If they fail, they also move in a random direction because they can't control themselves. Yeah, but so, how often do they fail? Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. 
well, it depends. I'm, or you I, could just go worked. play a swarm keeper, which has that forced movement option on them. Yeah, yeah, that's true. I haven't, I haven't used that one, but I have had I a player use use infestation on a swarm of bees, and it was excellent. So there was like a combat of tiny insects happening within the combat, which I enjoyed. Um, but yeah, it is generally. I find a lot of the uh, uh, the the save spells suck. <laughs> like like a lot of like especially the cantrips, you know. Like it's true. Uh, well, like you know, at at at, um, at level one, like you 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 probably the highest you, your DC will be is thirteen, maybe fourteen, and um, just everyone roll. Everyone's rolling over thirteen because you know it's not that hard to do. So. Yeah, I, I generally, in general, the cantrips, just, just except for Toll the Dead, which is rad, um, uh, they're all a bit crap, I think. The save ones. Yes. Or just mm. all of them. All the spells are crap in D&D 5e. You right. The, you no. really right. Can, <laughs> the cantrip save. Yeah. <laughs> the cantrip spell save. Uh, no. Oh Attacks as oh shit. Yeah. That's fair. Oh, uh, well, speaking, you know, going back to like detect good and evil, also, uh, detect undead is one that I feel is like way too situational. And like, unless you know, like, you know, like it said, Stuart said, unless you know you're talking to a vampire, you have suspicions that you're talking to a vampire, uh, unless you know that they're going to be like undead creatures, like a zombie or whatever, maybe, uh, hanging around, it's kind of pointless. Yeah, it's the sort of spell you take if you're playing um, in Ravenloft, you know? Like, if you, mm. you're like, yeah, cool, well, there'll be under. <laughs> yeah, but the, we need to make then sure. again, like, that's, you know, that's a little metagaming. If you, like, start, like, oh, we're going to play, you know, Curse of Strahd or, you know, you know let me go ahead and, you know. Uh, just got a party of five clerics. Equip, <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> equip this spell and, and so I'll be prepared. Um, yeah. But, yeah, it's just, uh, you know, like I said, one of those that's way too situational for my taste. Mm. Yeah yeah well do we have any more spells that we just bit <laughs> let's talk about good spells let's talk about good spells all right Stuart's Stuart's ready to blow let's hear about these good spells <laughs> uh just quickly, no one's allowed to say wish oh we all actually, know it's probably... good no one's allowed to say it yeah uh, i feel like i feel like we should be banned from ninth level spells it's like ninth level spells fair this one's awesome it's like yeah because you're god yeah of course it's yeah, a, said, yeah. I'm a, no no i'm joking we can talk about them as well i was gonna say there's a uh, couple ninth levels i want to talk about um i like toll the dead because it's a d8 and a d12 that's all i'm gonna say about that oh. uh, probably one of my favorite spells i'm gonna stick with cantrips for now i do have many other spells but this is one that my nephews brought up last night that i hadn't thought about that i had always looked over as a crap spell mold earth so you can choose a portion <laughs> of dirt or stone that you can see within range that fits within a five-foot cube. You can manipulate it in the following way. If you can move it five feet, you can cause shapes. Uh, if the dirt or stone uh, you target is on the ground, you can cause it from difficult terrain. You can cast this spell multiple times. Uh, you, uh, you have no more than two of its non-instantaneous effects active at a time, and you dismiss the action. Doesn't say anything there about damage. 
However, because my nephews are my nephews, they calculated <laughs> how much dirt is in a five foot cube. And it's about yep. two tons of dirt. So if you were to move five foot of dirt off the edge of a cliff onto some enemies, it would be very similar to like falling from that distance, you know, like because it's two ton of dirt. So like having having a car fall on you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah man yeah and it's like it's not it's like yeah it's a cantrip it's whatever but five a five foot cube of dirt is serious amounts of dirt uh so that's one of my favorite cantrips it's mm. very similar to uh shape water like create or destroy mm. water and shape water which uh you could have any sort of uses for um like i think the uh, last campaign that i played in somebody Filled a lock with water and then froze it and busted the lock from the inside. (laughs) (laughs) Like that's actually pretty brilliant. Yes. Mm. Uh, You could also, you know, just kill somebody with it. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Create water inside their body and just that's it. Drowned. Yeah. Uh, Freeze it. mm Mm-hmm. Boil it. Boy, you could do so many things. We're getting real stick brutal. Stick it in here. a stew. Ryan, <laughs> <laughs> stick him in a stew. Uh, so, well, if we're if we're talking cantrips, yeah, if we're talking can. I guess we're talking cantrips. I feel like we should stay in order for this because that, we all have several tiered ones. That's that's fair. That's fair. Well, I'm personally a big fan of a particular cantrip mm. known as. Known as Mage Hand. Because <laughs> anyone listening to this podcast that that knows anything about DD, I don't have to say anything else. It's Mage Hand. It's, it's, Mage, it's Hand. Mage Hand. It's like that one where, like, when people are making a character, they're like, well, obviously I'm taking Mage Hand. Like, it's <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. There's no like, question oh, about three, it. I've got that, two Kendricks. It's like, well, obviously I'm taking <laughs> Mage Hand. That's, that's my, that's my, instead of Magic Missile or Eldritch Blast, I go for Mage Hand because I always go Mage Hand. And, and the thing is, there's just like, that's not a limitation. Like that's one of those like staple cantrips, but the creative uses are insane. Especially um, if you get the telekinetic feet. Oh, oh, oh yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's ridiculous. Once you get, oh my god. <laughs> uh, I like how they did increase it from five pounds to ten pounds, though. When they went to five e. Yeah. 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 Because there were so many, and I still get these arguments to this day. I'm going to mage hand keys off of somebody. Well, you can't because it's still technically in possession. It's like held. You can't mess with held items is the ongoing argument. Yeah. But you can pick a lock from distance. You can. (laughs) Uh, So what do you got, Sergio? For cantrips, mm-hmm. um, for cantrips, I like guidance a whole lot. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Guidance yeah. is uh, is one of those. Like can, you really? Yeah. I'm saying you uh, you uh, touch a character of your choice, and then on their next uh, ability check, they get to add a D4. Mm-hmm. And so, mm. I mean, you could use it to sneak like say your rogues like i'm gonna sneak over there like oh hey here's here's a little kiss for luck 
and then there's guidance <laughs> or like you know a little boop on your nose little, <laughs> boop, little butt smack good hustle out there uh you could also do it uh you know like um like like you're at a tavern it's like oh that guy's such a bully he's like i want to go say something to him like you should like go go smack him on the back add a d4 to your intimidation The- it's uh it it helps it it's beneficial for uh like actual like the mechanics of playing like of not like necessarily combat but you know like the nitty-gritty of the game mm-hmm. as and also like the the role playing as well that's which is like those are the the spells that i kind of gravitate toward like what will help me like in game as well as also role playing my character mm mm-hmm. I am personally attached to the cantrip mending. Oh, yeah. Yeah, mending's cool. Because it's really handy when, well, of course, you know, you can you can physically repair magic items and things like that. But if you happen to have that Warforged in your party, you just became that Warforged's best friend. Because that's the only way they can be healed. So, yeah, yes, okay. yes. Yes, because we had this long, in-depth argument when I decided to play a Warforged a couple years back about the fact that I can't be healed with healing spells. And somebody Not, said, well, how, how do I, you get healed then? I said, I think you technically can. It, well, Warforged aren't constructs. They're humanoids. No, they're constructs. Warforged I don't are think so. constructs. Yep. We had this argument in my group or whatever that it doesn't <laughs> actually... They don't actually have the construct tag on them did they take that away i think so where is it at let me pull it up hmm because see that would be interesting because then then uh mending just becomes spending because we we had this argument (laughs) because i'm I'm playing um a a dampier and the way that it's like mechanically put i can bite the warforged and get the bonuses if i want to because he's doesn't he's not a construct. Where's hmm. what does it actually say where it is? It's very weird. It's a very weird thing. Hmm. Now see that that just opens a whole realm of arguments and possibilities. If that's the case, it's a whole realm of bullshit, is what it is. <laughs> yes. <laughs> it's a whole realm of- I, I enjoy the way that you came across this by because I'm a dampier and I want to bite them. <laughs> I wasn't potentially trying to bite them. It was just something that came up and it was like, so I could bite them then, technically speaking. So I can get all so. those bonuses, right? <laughs> uh, I could always just, uh, I could always grab Eberron. Well, we can grab it later if you can't find it, Toasty. It's not a big deal. It's uh, They're labeled as living constructs. Uh, mm-hmm. They have souls. Which mm-hmm. is why healing magic does work on them. Okay, that's ah. what, yeah. It's like a weird thing. Ah, so I guess and but yeah, I want to say I was because I haven't really uh, messed around with Eberron too much in Fifth Edition, mm-hmm. and I want to say that wasn't the case in Three Point Five. No, I want to say that it was not in Three Point Five. That they had to be mended. Mm-hmm. They had to. They had to be healed some other way. Yeah, they they said living constructs, but they have the humanoid tag instead of having the construct tag in 5e, which is yeah, they they so they can receive 
like I guess the humanoid stuff works on them. So healing spells work on them. Hold person works on them. Stuff like that. Hmm. Well, we learned something new today. <laughs> yeah, you don't have to mend yourself when playing a warforged. <laughs> You're no longer confined to being a warforged artificer. But if you're playing um, um, a artillerist artificer or mm-hmm. a battlesmith artificer, mending is really useful to healing your little your little pet. Yes, little pet yep. yes, absolutely. Yeah. Yes, yeah, yeah. One of my players has got one that it's like a he's made a mount, but it doesn't work as a mount. It's just like he's the gnome, so he just sits in it and he's like keeps it the same size that he is doesn't change any of his speed or anything like that <laughs> i'm like yeah cool you can sit in that fine fine <laughs> puppers there's puppers in the tower <laughs> he did sorry about that it's the blink dog again <laughs> uh another one of my favorite cantrips is magic stone oh uh, yeah just, uh i mean i just like the idea I play uh, one of my characters I'm playing right now is an Earth Genasi druid mm-hmm. uh, named Dr. Pepper, who runs around <laughs> naked. Uh, and I just like the idea of him just like, like you know, stooping down, picking up a rock, and just like kind of like whispering something, and then throwing it. And someone's like, "What the hell are you doing?" And just like launching it at the uh, at the enemy. And enemy's like, "Oh, damn it, that hurt." <laughs> And then Dr. Uh, Pepper, like, you know, running off. <laughs> it's a pretty good one. That is, this is a really good one. And plus, uh, you can keep the rocks on you. True. Yeah, you can make yeah. them last night. You can have up to three rocks on you at all times. Huh. I uh, I like Druidcraft. I yes. That's a great little uh, flavor spell. Uh, I haven't actually played a character that's used it. Uh, oh, yes, I have. But... <laughs> Yeah, um, yeah, it's cool. I like that someone's like, "Oh yeah, I'm just gonna make some flowers over here. I think I'll just make this a bit prettier." My my druid did that all the time. Yeah, I because bet, yeah. she was a very she was a very ditzy fur bog who really liked <laughs> nature. <laughs> so she's like over here walking, and she's just making a little flowers. flower. <laughs> and it's yeah, like, it's what so what are you doing? Flower <laughs> instantly make flower. a flower blossom. A seed pod open or a leaf bud bloom. It's very cute. It's great. My my homebrew tree folk race has druid craft. As, oh yeah, as, okay. As, nice. I I saw I sent that to Crit. I made it yesterday. Mm-hmm. It was pretty <laughs> I good. I sat down and and spent like half an hour making a homebrew race. It was pretty good, I will admit. I looked it over. I had to look it over quickly because I was at work at the time, but I was on my lunch break and I was like, okay, okay, all right, yeah, all right, I like this. Specifically said he liked the druid craft. Yes, so. yes, <laughs> I did. People love druid craft. Mm-hmm. Uh, it is uh, one of the cutest, uh, funnest little cantrips. Ah, yeah. My personal favorite is thaumaturgy. Ah, uh, yeah, uh, it's one of those <laughs> just like uh, druid craft. It doesn't really have any sort of like impact other than like role playing. Yes. Yeah. I think that's like a staple thing for most people cantrip wise. Like mm-hmm. they either take druidcraft, thaumaturgy, or prestidigitation. <laughs> like whatever your class allows you to have, you usually take that one of those. 
See, yeah. we we I feel like we take these for granted, but imagine having one of these three in real life. No, yeah, it'd be awesome. Like being able <laughs> to like bellow three times like the like the volume of your voice. Mm-hmm. Be able to like open like doors or, or cabinets. I'm sorry, but I would still be intimidated by the person that walks up to me and makes plants grow or flowers bloom as they're walking towards me. I'd be I'd be a little intimidated. <laughs> intimidated? I would fall in love. <laughs> I don't know. Depends on the plant. Depends on the plant. Have you guys read Patrick Rothfuss' books before? Uh, mm. The King Killer Chronicles? Yeah. If you read those books, you won't like people that make flowers like that. <laughs> <laughs> the, the Ruining fae, it. The fae, but, yeah, the fae. But just imagine that that's like... I don't know. I think I think in real life, like while the other two are fun, I feel like prestidigitation would be the best (laughs) for use because like just like you chill warm or flavor up to one cubic foot of non-living material for one hour. So like Mm. like you you are about to sit down for lunch, then you get a phone call. So then you like leave you leave your soup. And you're like, dang, my soup's cold. Never mind. No, it's not. And then you just eat your soup. Yeah. <laughs> or or if it's flavorless, you're like, ah, this needs some more salt. I got it. Add some salt. <laughs> or if you order from like DoorDash or Uber Eats or Grubhub, yes. that food always comes it's a little always cold. cold. <laughs> because you're never the first person on that on that driver's route. At least I had never been. <laughs> And so it's always a little cold. And so, yeah, like actually, I would go for that for sure. You can also clean yourself after you've spilt your soup on you. You can just uh, soil or unsoil your clothing. Uh, yes. Which is yes. Great for practical jokes as well. Oh, yeah. The, the, the instantaneous harmless sensory effect. <laughs> just imagine somebody comes up, some Karen tries to accost you, and then you just throw sparks at her face and you're like, what? Yeah. <laughs> Be gone. <laughs> gosh that was a huge tangent though we should probably yeah so spells spells yes uh do we have any more cantrips i mean there's a bunch of good ones but i mean yeah there's a lot of great ones Mm -hmm. yeah i actually really minus all the save cantrips they're all good minus all the save cantrips i think we can agree on that one except for told the dead except for told Uh, the dead i love told the dead too yes yeah i just like that it gongs I think that was the moment that I realized the indie is not serious. Like I'm not, I'm not super new. I'm not super experienced with D&D. And then I read that spell and I'm like, oh, like there's literally a gong and I'm tolling the dead. Fantastic. Bring out your dead. (laughs) Bring out your dead. If you didn't. I don't want to go on the cart. (laughs) If you didn't have a Monty Python thought when seeing that spell. You were wrong. (laughs) You were wrong. You were just wrong. So, 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 what we should do next? Like one to four, one to three, or something. We should do. We should probably do one. I'd say one to four. One to four. One to four. We can. We can. We can. We can group them up, and uh, we can hammer them out pretty quickly that way. And I think we should avoid the cure spells because obviously people like those. Because I like you get good help. berries though, because I actually my character Dr Pepper poops them out. Oh my god! <laughs> well, now you have to tell us. Okay. Yeah, so like he has good berries. Like he, uh, uh, like he has a focus on healing. Um, 
just because we don't have a cleric at our damn party. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, it's I've got like healing word and, uh, and yeah, cool. I'm be a healer, but I'm gonna you're gonna eat my shit. Yeah, <laughs> exactly, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and so the first time, uh, you know, it's like after a battle. And it's like, all right, Dr. Pepper, what are you doing? Like, Dr. Pepper squats down and starts grunting. And you see these, like, little, like, little turds, turd-looking objects falling from his bum. And he scoops and like, I roll, like, a, I guess it's a, up to eight. So I roll a 1d8, which is, that's one of the, the strange things. And I guess it's just assumed, because it says, like, up to eight good berries. I just assume that you roll uh, a 1d8 to I determine how many you get. Eight. Yeah. You can just and choose. So, and so, uh, so like a six little, six little, you know, turd looking pebbles and goes up to like, so-and-so like, Hey, have some of these, these, these are good. And they're like, yeah, no, I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to eat those at all. <laughs> and so like, all right, fine. I'll eat them. And so I eat them and I'm like, and I'm cured for five points of health. And it was like, oh, great. Okay. So those have healing properties. All right, cool. Now everyone's like, Dr. Pepper, I need some of your poop. Come on. <laughs> He's a, uh, he's not a he's not a well druid. He's not he's not there's terrible. something very very much wrong with him. Terrible. <laughs> All right. Let's uh let's go let's go in order here. Uh do you happen to have any, Stuart, from one to four? Uh yeah, I got, I think most of mine are one to four. I've never really played D D past about level eight or something. So oh. um so all right, I'll start with one of my favorites, which is ceremony. Uh so this is a cleric spell and you can perform special religious ceremony. So you can do atonement, which changes someone's alignment. You can bless water. You can uh, cast coming of age on a young adult and that gives them a plus D4 for 24 hours. So it's like, if it's like their first adventure, you like, you can cut, you can cast this ritual on them and then they get a plus mm. D4 to all their uh, skill checks, ability checks for the next 24 hours so it's like their coming of age adventure um uh dedication so if someone if someone wants to join my religion i can do this ritual and they also get a d4 for 24 hours uh there's funeral rite which you can cast on a corpse and for the next seven days the target uh can't become undead so you can keep someone safe and then my favorite which i've done every time i've had the opportunity is wedding uh where you touch two adult humanoids willing to be bonded together in marriage. And for the next seven days, each target gains plus two, two to armor class when they're within 30 feet with each other. <laughs> yeah. Know, yes. What? Some dude, Wait. Someone, whoever wrote that just loves being married. So that's, that's, that's <laughs> kind of busted. What the yeah. Yeah. No, That's great, you know, yeah. to have in a hole till death do they part. I yeah. love it. Get married so, every seven days. Strange. Got it. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> we want to do our wedding over again. It's only oh, been actually, a week. It actually says it actually says a creature can benefit from this right again only if widowed. Oh snap! I didn't read that before. So they unbroke the are, broken. Well, they're not down with divorce or something, so maybe they're a bit. Um, well, I mean, if you think about it, it'd be pretty busted if you did that because then you could get married. Uh, then get divorced, then get remarried, do it again. Yeah. You then get divorced, yeah. then get remarried. Yeah. Yeah. And it's like that, that would be a broken spell then. Yeah. <laughs> so if they put that stipulation, you can't abuse it yeah. <laughs> unless you are fine with killing your spouses, in which case maybe you can, 
you might be a praying mantis or a spider or something. Yeah. Oh, that's terrible. Uh, so that's one of my my favorite first level spells. All right, Toasty, what do you got? All right, I'm gonna say two. Uh, one uh, that's like a legit thing. Uh, then another one that's just like a very obvious choice, but it's great. Um, and uh, I don't think I need to really go into depth on anything on the, that one. And I'm going to say that one first. So the first one, suggestion, <laughs> because yep. it's yep. insane. <laughs> get put a little bit of creative thought in it, and you can basically get someone out of your way for 24 hours, and it's ridiculous. Um, yeah, so obvious choice, I think. The other one, uh, a level four spell. I just like it because of the flavor. Hallucinatory terrain. Uh, basically oh, yeah. just nice. putting putting a hallucination on someone. And I think they can only do it if they pass an investigation check, which I don't know. I don't think a lot of people would do that great on it. I'm sure. Yeah. So, I mean, do it on like some sort of barbarian or something. Intelligence is definitely not their strong suit. Yep, so exactly, you know, basically, oh, there's a nice little, um, you know, there's a nice little oasis there. Oh wait, never mind, that's a cliff. Die. <laughs> <laughs> but then also, just you know, you can pretty much do anything with it as far as, and I think the the cost for it is just a stone, a twig, <laughs> and a bit of green plant. Yep. So it's dirt cheap. That's one thing uh, I wanted to bring up. As far as components, spell components go, how as as a DM, how would you, how do you guys handle it? I have many thoughts on this. So I think it has to depend on the type of game you're playing, and it depends how many wizards you have. So like, mm -hmm. I actually really like the idea that wizards need to find their component. I don't necessarily think they need to get those components every time. A bit like in the Witcher games, like once you've made your your oils, you can just make those oils. You don't have to go and uh, do that sort of stuff. Um, because some spells are totally badass. Uh, and it's like like Fireball, for example, still needs stuff to cast Fireball. Mm -hmm. uh, and, but what it requires, it actually requires the player to know what spells they want to cast and to be on the lookout for those things. Um, so I would really like that, but usually it's just an arcane focus or a component pouch, you know, because, oh, yeah. I don't think I've ever yeah, wanted I mean, to the aspect All, all my players are in their 30s and don't have time to do that. So. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think I'm, yeah, I don't, I mean, I haven't gotten played in, in, in anything too high level before. I mean, I, the current D&D campaign I'm in, we're at level eight, which is, I mean, this is basically my first like real D and D campaign, to be honest. So, I haven't run into that problem yet. Most of the time, it's just arcane focus that mm -hmm. basically just takes care of that problem. Um, and my DM is not like insanely strict on things, so I don't mm. think I don't even think anybody pays attention. I definitely know that I don't pay attention to that. And I should probably do so, but I am uh I am the new guy, so whatever. So I'll just yeah, wait I for know. my DM to correct me. Like I, you know, I uh, when I DM, I if there's a spellcaster and I let them know, like, well, you need a component pouch. 
and that will be uh, you can assume that it has what you need for the spells that you can perform. And then mm-hmm. when there's any and when there's any like downtime, like it's like, okay, like so you spend the next, you know, day and a half just sort of hanging around the village and waiting for so and so to come back with the word about from so and so else. Uh, you know, it's kind of understood they're spending that time also, you know, cult, you know, uh, collecting more components for their spells unless there's something you know and this and this is just for like the lower level spells like we've been talking about but you know those higher level spells you know where you might need some sort of uh like stone like a like a ruby or a diamond or or something a little bit more exotic that's the kind of thing that i i, I kind of like will say like you need to explicitly tell me like how you like when and when and where you got this and once you use it uh, then you have to go out and seek another one to use a spell again. But like mm-hmm. I said, those are the more higher level spells that you know you could usually only bust out once you're level fifteen and up. I think I think it is a little bit more fun to play a little loose with those rules because, like, I've oh, been yeah, for sure. kind of finding out that there's like a lot of rules around spell casting that I don't think anybody really pays attention to that much, mm-hmm. like. I don't I don't think I don't think most players think to have an empty hand whenever they are casting spells. Exactly. Which also could be in the fact that if you're using an arcane focus means that you're technically supposed to have the arcane focus in one hand and have an empty hand, which means you can't have any weapon in your hand. I don't think anybody pays attention to that. And I think that being that like adherent to the details of the rules it just isn't fun like that's what kind of kills it would kill a cleric you know like if you if you could not have your shield and your and your weapon in your hand then the cleric becomes kind of i actually usually like if you're a cleric i say that your weapon is your is your arcane focus yeah Mm -hmm. i think paladin's spellcasting focus is like their shield right so like Mm. that's not a big deal well Technically speaking, they need to have the empty hand for it, but they're always holding a different weapon too, plus their shield. Mm-hmm, so yeah. I don't know. I'm trying to figure that out for my my bard that I'm playing currently, who plays a bowed string instrument, which means if I want to cast Two a hands. spell, I gotta do I gotta do like a little a little biddle on my my fiddle, I guess. Um which <laughs> <laughs> is basically what it is. Which means that I have to have something in each hand, which means I literally cannot have an empty hand unless I had a third hand, which is like, well, which is another spell that I like. Third <laughs> hand, no. uh, <laughs> so, I, uh, I kind of follow suit with all of you in a way. Whenever it comes to spellcasting for me, if this is the way I do it, if it's a pretty OP spell or it's a pretty dangerous spell like fireball or, you know, your higher level spells, you must have the items to cast it. If you don't have the items to cast it, you're not casting it. That's all there is to it. Um, But I will kind of play it off like Stuart said, and it's kind of assumed you're going to once you get it, it's kind of assumed you're going to keep that stocked. You know, um, if it's rarer components, like if you're casting, you know, resurrection or true resurrection or something like that. Well, yeah, you're going to have to go out and get those multiple times. Yeah. And you're going to have to tell me about it. But 
you know, if you need bat guano for your fireball, I mean, I have kind of assumed at some point you're going to stop and get it. Like, I'm yeah. not going to be a hypocrite about it. Just make sure you do it the first time. So I know <laughs> you acknowledge the fact that you need it. Can you use, you can use an arcane focus or fireball though, right? You can, depending. Yeah. yeah. Okay. <laughs> um, but then I also make the argument of, well, for bards particularly, I don't make it so that the instrument that you chose to be proficient in is your arcane focus. I kind of play it off as you're a bard. Music is your arcane focus. So if you want to hum a little diddle or sing a song or clap your hands, that's that's your ability. That's your arcane focus is the, the, you know, the ability of music. You know, with your paladins, I kind of feel like most paladins. Yeah, OK, we can make the argument shield supposed to be but i feel like your arcane focus is your devotion to your religious aspect you know if you lose that devotion then you're going to lose your arcane focus um same with your clerics you know i don't i'm not too i'm not too rule heavy on the arcane focus or anything because again i i agree i feel like it will take away from the fun of that thing you know if you're constantly worried about what's in your hand and you know i make it so that the players almost have to role play. If you start to slip from your, you know, pedestal as a paladin, you're going to start losing your spells. And I don't care if you've got a shield or not. You you don't have that focus, that drive that you once had before. Um, but yeah, that's kind of where I stand on it. <laughs> or the entirety of uh Exandria Unlimited with Opal who couldn't say sorry to her patron <laughs> and therefore lost all her power. Yep. <laughs> I mean, that is a cool thing about uh, Warlocks is you can do a lot of fun things like that. I played with a guy that would be like, the page, he'd just slip you a note. I was like, you have to go and steal this book from this house today. It's like, what? And it's like, you have to go and do that. That's what your patron needs. Why? And he's like, why are you questioning him? Do you want magic or not? <laughs> I'm oh. actually... Yes. It's like a weird thing for me. My most recent character has has Warlock, and I'm actively trying to kill my patron. That's <laughs> <laughs> nice. the whole goal, is to go against uh... my patron, because I only got his power whenever he killed the love of my life. <laughs> so it was like... Okay, I want to kill you. I'm not strong enough to kill you, which also means that once we get to that point, I'm definitely I'm forfeiting all levels of warlock that I have because I won't have a patron to give me power. So, and that's fine. I'm okay with that. He needs to die. <laughs> <laughs> Another one of my favorite uh, first level spells actually it hasn't made its way to fifth edition. It was something from 3.5. It was in the complete mage. It's called the Jet of Steam. Hmm. That sounds cool. Your hand is suddenly covered in warm condensation as a jet of burning steam bursts from your fingers. You release a powerful jet of superheated steam that deals 1d4 points of fire damage per caster level, maximum of 5d4, to each creature within its area. That area is a 30-foot line. Oh. That sounds insane, and there's a, probably a reason why it didn't make it to five. <laughs> I remember uh, in, being in a campaign, and these, uh, you know, I forgot what exactly they were, but enemies kept coming. There, 
out of these rooms and it was like in a long hallway. And so our, um, our, I think it was a cavalier. He was like holding them back. And I told them, you know, at my go duck. And so he readies his action and I get it behind him. I say, go, he ducks. And I uh, cast this spell and kill just about all of them. <laughs> I think there's like one left standing. Yeah, it sounds brutal. It also makes it easy to make references to uh, Commando. And you just got Bennett lit off some steam. Exactly, had a lit <laughs> like off that. a little steam. Hey, if we're pulling, if we're pulling from from other sources or whatever, then oh. another one. So this is actually something that my current character has because my my DM allows unearthed arcana. Um, so this one is is a a bard spell. First level, unearthly chorus. Uh, basically, you play music uh, around you in a thirty-foot radius, though it can be heard up to a hundred feet away. Um, and the music moves with you and centered on you. So whatever you move, it stays like centered on you um, until the spell ends. You make charisma performance checks with advantage. In addition, you can use a bonus action on each of your turns to beguile one creature you choose within 30 feet of you that can see you and hear the music, that creature must make a charisma saving throw if you or your companions are attacking it. Like the same thing with, with like charm person, they uh -huh. succeed. Yeah. Um, on a failure, the creature becomes friendly to you for as long as it can hear the music and for one hour thereafter, you can make charisma deception checks and charisma persuasion checks against creatures made friendly by the spell with advantage. I like this one. It's very haunting <laughs> music kind of thing. Very cool. Yeah. I I am a big fan. I have yet to use it, but the moment I do is going to be insane. I already know it. <laughs> it's going to be great. Uh, uh, and it, it, it's concentration up to 10 minutes, so it's got a pretty decent uh, duration, too. <laughs> mm -hmm. That's a ridiculously like long one. <laughs> right. So before we get too far into this, because we have been going and going and we have never taken our mid break. So we should probably take our mid break real quick so we can talk about our giveaway. <laughs> Let's go. All right. We're diving in the mid break. You ready, Sergio? I'm ready. We got to thank the patrons first. Oh, toasty. <laughs> All right. You ready to thank the patrons, Sergio? Yes. Rapid fire, go. Uh, oh, uh, Lupus. <laughs> you failed. That was, that was failed. so rapid. <laughs> I, thought, no, I thought we were going to go back and forth. <laughs> I think you're Is supposed to. No, oh, well, <laughs> okay. I wasn't. I was, okay. go, go ahead, Sergio. <laughs> uh, Wolf, Stagger and Stumble, John Sutter, Maverick, Lupus, Remington, Chris, thank you so much. You are the reason we are doing this. Woo! And you guys are supposed to come hang out with us today, but it's okay. We'll get you back some other time. It's fine. I'm here instead. Yeah. That's so much better. <laughs> That's <laughs> not true. You all paid for me to be here. Just keep, just, just know that. That's just not true. That. Yeah, that is true. No. All the pay, all the Patreon's money combined is the reason I am here right now. The That's only reason true. you're here. Don't let them lie to you. <laughs> but we also have our uh, the restart of the patron campaign starts mm -hmm. this weekend. Yep. So that'll be fun. Yes. We are going to be, <clears throat> you ready for this? Exploring no. why 
the dragons disappeared from Alteris. So we're doing it in the fumbling four homebrew world setting. It's exciting. Mm -hmm. I'm excited. Yes. I Um, still haven't fully decided the character I want to play. I need you to hurry up. (laughs) Well, I I, like there's just so many choices. What about Jimmy Really Red? Bring him back. Bring him back. Bring him back. Bring back Jimmy Really Red. Bring him back. Oh, that would be good. Yeah. Uh, Definitely add to the mystery of Jimmy Really Red. Oh, he's immortal too? Interesting. <laughs> I mean, how, in, in turn, uh, yeah, we'll, we'll talk about this later. Mm. But, but yeah, that's, the, a, that's a very good idea. Yes. So the next thing we have to talk about is our giveaway. Giving stuff away. Oh. oh. So yes. we are giving away a the hardcover special edition Mm -hmm. of the haunt trilogy yes from uh that they sell on dm's guild from pb publishing Mm -hmm. it's one of the like highest rated highest sold Mm -hmm. uh games on dmg it's and this is all three of them combined together into one book almost 200 pages fully color uh you know it's gonna look perfect next to your other D books on your bookshelf yes it's a thing of beauty so much so that i am i will definitely get my own i'm mm-hmm. definitely getting my own i wish i wish i could get it for free but that's where you come in <laughs> uh on our twitter twitter.com slash dnd lorecast the pin tweet at the top of our page is the official giveaway tweet uh all you mm-hmm. have to do is like or retweet that tweet and that's one entry yep uh if you are in the Robots Radio Discord, mm-hmm. or if you're even if you're not, if you can join it, go to the D and D Lorecast channel, and the one of the pinned messages on the D and D Lorecast channel is the official giveaway message. Mm-hmm. Uh, post a post a reaction to that, and that's an entry. If you don't know if you don't know anything about Discord, don't know what a reaction is. It's just a little emoji, you know, like the way you can add like little smiley faces or hearts or thumbs ups to text messages or Facebook messages or Instagram, whatever. It's the same thing, but there's a, a ton of different emojis that you can pick from in yeah. Discord. Yeah. Uh, so that's the second entry you can you can be in. Uh, third entry you can gain is just by following this Twitch channel, twitch.tv slash almighty crit. That's three different ways to enter. That's three different entries you could get. So you have up to three chances to win. And we'll be running this contest through the month, through Halloween, because it's spooky season. And it's a spooky book. And we will be picking a winner live on the air on November 4th. Yeah. Yep. Well, I think it's time for us to dive back into our spells discussion. And I have a magical item that has to do with spells to give everyone at the end of this episode. Oh my goodness. Mm-hmm. <laughs> All right, let's dive back in. Did you go stereotypical family? Oh, we had the scream. <laughs> uh, All right, so we're still, I believe, on our one through fours. Mm. I think you got to. Say something, crit. We've all oh, yeah. said stuff about it. Oh, okay. Yeah, all right. Let me pull it up here. Uh, <clears throat> ready? Blink. No. I love oh, yeah. me some blink. 
Basic. <laughs> you roll a I d20 mean, yeah. at, at the end of each of your turns for the duration of the spell. Rolling on a roll of 11 or higher, you vanish from your current plane of existence and appear in the ethereal plane. The spell fails and the casting is wasted if you're already on that plane. At the start of the next turn, and when the spell ends, if you are on the ethereal plane, you return to an unoccupied space of your choice that you can see within 10 feet of the space that you vanish from. If no unoccupied space is available within that range, you appear the nearest unoccupied space, chosen at random if more than one space is equally near, and you can dismiss the spell as an action. When on the ethereal plane, you can see and hear the plane you originated from, which is cast in shades of gray. Think uh, Lord of the Rings, putting the ring on. Um, you can't see anything with anything there more than 60 feet away, and you can only affect and be affected by creatures on the ethereal plane. So Wraith from Apex. Yes. <laughs> but it does, if you've got a really nasty DM, like I had, if you don't roll an 11 or higher, instead of letting you do it, they just randomly had you blinking in and out of existence until you deactivated the spell. <laughs> nice. <laughs> that sounds great. It, it was That's fantastic. It did, I would just it never deactivate the spell. I just wouldn't. <laughs> I didn't for like six whole turns, and everybody was super mad about it. <laughs> uh, and isn't that the whole point of D and D is making your friends mad at you? Yes. For your play I'm choices. Old. Yeah. <laughs> uh, another one of my favorites from one to four is um, enlarge, reduce. Oh, oh yeah, you stole cool. it from me. More so the enlarge. Yes. Yeah. Um, because you have someone with wild shape and they turn into like a brown bear, which is already a large creature. And then you cast an enlarge on them and they get that much bigger. Like that's some damage. I mean, I mean, so I've I've told Aaron all about this. Aaron is all about this. Um <laughs> <laughs> this rune knight that I played. Yeah. I played a rune knight. Um, so you know, what do you it's basically the same thing as like a barbarian rage. What do you do every turn? You use giant's might and you get big, mm. or not every turn, yeah. but every combat. So you become large, and then like somebody in your party, you know, maybe one of the three people with enlarge reduce in your party casts enlarge reduce on you, and so you get buffed to huge. <laughs> Yep. Yeah. Starts slaying everything, <laughs> which is what I did. I had so much fun being an actual giant most of the time in combat with that character. I love that spell. Uh, I got another one. Uh, Call Lightning, which is a third level spell. Uh, you basically make a storm cloud above you. You have to be outside. Uh, and it's like 60 foot radius and it's 10 feet tall. Uh, and you can pick creatures within that, uh, and all creatures within five feet of that take uh, do a, a dexterity save and take three d10 damage. If you cast this outside while it's already stormy, it's an extra one d10. Uh, so you can do four d10 damage to like us people around the area, and it's awesome because you just rain down the lightning from the gods. It's one of my favorites. We use this in a, I used this in a battle that was on top of a tower and it was just super cinematic and awesome. 
And then Sounds you just cool. constantly spam the uh, the big bad with lightning. Very good. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I'm sure it has to be said. Uh, I don't personally care about it because I typically try to not use any spell that I've heard a lot of people using. So, like, oh, okay. I will never, ever, ever use fireball because um, I hear so many people using it all the time. And I'm like, that's boring. I want to do something different. But yes, fireball is very good. We acknowledge that. <laughs> haste, haste is really good. Yes. We acknowledge that. Yeah, <laughs> we're acknowledging uh, the stuff that are good, but we're thinking we're talking about our favorite. Okay. Yes. What about so, you know, hunger, don't hunger get mad. Of Hadar. Do you know hunger of Hadar? <laughs> that's oh the, my That's gosh. the black tentacle thingies, right? <clears throat> yeah, but the hunger of Hadar is a sphere. So you open a gateway to the dark between the stars, a region infested with unknown horrors. A 20-foot radius sphere of blackness and bitter cold appears, centered on a point within range. The void is filled with a cacophony of soft whispers and slurping noises that can be heard 30 feet oh, away. I hate it. Gross. I hate it. I'm going to add this to one of my least favorite it. spells. I love <laughs> yeah, it. Because you said slurping sound. Slurping. I don't like it. No. Yeah, it makes people <laughs> blind. Anyone in there, it's considered... Uh, the void creates a warp of fabric and space. The area is difficult ter- terrain. Anyone in there takes 2d6 cold damage. Um, <laughs> this just gets worse. Uh, yes, it does. Any creature that ends its turn in the area must succeed at dexterity saving throw or take 2d6 acid damage as milky otherworldly tentacles rub against it. Yeah. It is. <laughs> it's so gross. It's so gross, yeah. Shout out to all you anime fans. You know who you are. You know what this be about. Uh, gaseous uh, form is another good one. Yes, yep. Gaseous form, uh, instead of invisibility, I'll use gaseous form as like a, as a rogue or as, you know, as an mm-hmm. assassin, as a spy, because... I can, if you're invisible, you're still corporal. You can still, you you know, you still can't, uh, if someone closes the door in front of you, you're going to have to figure out a way to get the door open or sneak in behind them or do something. Mm -hmm. Gaseous form, you just slip into the keyhole or you slip underneath the door. There was actually a suit of armor in the Weapons of Legacy uh, book that came out with 3.5 that, allowed you to turn into a pile of leaves and you could slide under doorways and things and i loved that as a druid or an elf because it was made completely out of leaves so like yeah <laughs> fair fair yeah fair enough fair enough yeah. right. so do we have any more three through four or one through four not three through four uh, I have one more just because it's cool and that's secret chest. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, I like that. But it's <laughs> Is like there that. a secret tunnel spell in D&D 5e? I must know the answer to this. I don't think so. Mm-mm. Basically make a chest that can go into the ethereal plane. However, I do like that it costs. <coughs> you need to construct it out of rare materials worth 5,000 gold pieces uh, and then make a tiny replica of it that's 50 gold pieces, uh, the same materials. <laughs> So, that's amazing. Yeah. yeah, that's what really like, won me over. Is the tiny little tiny replica you have? To, I need the tiny like, one to use the big like one. You go it's to fine. a, you go to a, I don't know, a chest maker. I don't know what you'd call that. A no, yeah, like 
that'd be the one of those myth. where like you for sure have to tell me like how you're making this like how, yeah, how are you going to go about getting like? these materials who's doing it how yeah. do you convince this person that made the massive chest to make a tiny replica of it mm-hmm. and how do you not make that sound weird <laughs> exactly <laughs> <laughs> so you see what happened was <laughs> uh, uh, and that's uh, me for wonderful what about you do you have anything else toasty I mean there's there's just so many I feel like a lot of people have I mean have had yeah. the opportunity to do that because most people don't go into high level campaigns so you know I mean the good majority of all the summon slash conjure spells mm-hmm. are great. Yes. Um, and then like uh, what one that's oh, actually I found out that's actually pretty good that I didn't realize a uh, uh, spike growth. Oh I yeah! I was just yeah. about to talk about spike growth. <laughs> I was literally like, "Oh, well, Tosi, stop talking, so I can talk about spike growth." Okay, well, I'll let you talk about spike growth, but I said it first. Uh, <laughs> you get you get the credit. Uh, yep. Spike growth is awesome. It's a twenty-foot uh, radius, uh, and it becomes difficult terrain one. And then also, if you move into or through or within the area, you take two d four piercing damage for every five feet you travel. And so, I use it. Like I said, like my druid is 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 heavy on healing and also defensive spells. Mm-hmm. And so we come, uh, you know, into combat, I will immediately cast this in front of the party. Yes. And so the attackers have to go through it to get to us. Oh, goodness. All these spells are so amazing. There's just so many. There's uh, just, there really is. I, I made my list and I was like, I'm up to level four. <laughs> like, yeah. okay. I've gone through and deleted a heap of them because I was like, oh, man. There's so many, okay. and there's there's uh, a lot that you can that you can use creatively rather than mm-hmm. uh, like the obvious like uh, well I'm going to use this to uh, like make me big, and so like and then my sword is big, and then I'm going to be that much more powerful. It's like well, how about you like you know Tosi and I were saying how about you uh, already like make someone like you know wild shape or by some other uh, means make someone. From medium to large and then cast it on them yeah make them that much bigger mm-hmm. yeah it's definitely it's definitely really fun i mean they and there's like some of the uses and things for it or whatever depending on who your dm is so like mm-hmm. enlarge when we used enlarge our dm allowed me to use the d4 that you get on like other specific things like so you know my greatest crowning moment in all of my D history which isn't very much but it's still incredible um where the city we were like in a floating city that was literally tethered to the ground with giant chains and like we found some weird thing oh, that yeah. that started to make the city break apart and float off into like uh different chunks and whatnot and the the shop that the dude was handling this material in started to float away and half my party was in this shop. And so, and, and I was like, I don't know what to do. The city's breaking apart. Everything's going to crap. So I just Captain America versus the helicopter, the city and held it together <laughs> with my bare hands. But like I went giant's might 
And then I got enlarged. So I was huge holding mm-hmm. the city together. And, you know, the nat 20 on the roll <laughs> did have an effect on how great it was. Yeah. But when you roll a grand total of a 34 on an athletics check, you feel real good about yourself. Oh, yeah, for sure. <laughs> Been hitting so, that gym, though. I didn't have it. Well, I actually just took a feet, so I woke up swole. <laughs> it's <laughs> fine. Woke up. <laughs> but yeah, I went so, to bed like this. <laughs> yeah. So having just like the creative things being used in yeah. it, because like I could have done it as large, but doing it as huge just makes it more impressive, you know? <clears throat> so let's jump into our, shall we say, big boy and big girl spells. Our five through nine spells. Because these these are where we th- start getting start getting our heavy hitters. Chuck. I mean, yeah, these are these cause major damage or mm-hmm. um can I mean bring people back from the dead yes. in various states, either uh recently passed away or been dead for quite a while. Oh yeah. These are these are the big baddies. Um we'll let Stuart go first on this one because we we've, we've been keeping this kind of going. <laughs> yeah. Um well I've got a, a, a fifth level one that I already like, which is Awaken. Uh, uh-huh. I like the idea of bringing just bringing a tree to life. Uh I think that's very cool. Um and if you like the idea of bringing a tree to life, you'll love my new home breweries. <laughs> <laughs> Which are living trees. I... Oh my god! You can be able to show it. Um, <laughs> uh, not raven, feeble, uh, feeble-minded is mm-hmm. the spell. Yes, uh, which is absolutely brutal and horrible if it is cast on a player because they, if they fail the intelligence save, their intelligence and their charisma goes down to one for thirty uh-huh. days, yep. and they can do the they can do the save again after 30 days. However, if your intelligence is one, you have a minus five to your intelligence saves. If, if you're not, uh, if it's not one of your, your saves. So uh, feeble-minded is a brutal, brutal spell that I quite like. I think it's, uh, yes. I don't remember what level that is. Uh, I think it's level eight, s- maybe. Seven or eight. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I mean... I could also just say how much I really like things like um, uh, there's a ninth level one called I don't seem to have all my spells. I must have the wrong. I've done something wrong. Uh, Story of my life. There it is. Oh, yeah. Uh, Yeah, for sure. uh, Yeah, you project them into the astral plane. I like that. Anyway, that's me for my my big powered spells. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Toasty, what do you got? I'm what interested. I got. What do you got? So I've never before in my life really even looked at any of these spells because I've never played up to this oh. level at all. Um, so, so just looking at some of them off of the bard spell list, just because I feel like they have some <laughs> of the most fun ones. <clears throat> um, uh, these are just ones that I, I'm randomly looking at. Obviously, mass suggestion is great. Um, <laughs> I already talked about suggestion. Same reason, except more people. Yep. Um, then, uh, 
was the one. I think that the creative uses of the spell Mind Blank would be incredible. Um, you know, if you get in a really bad situation and somebody's trying to like probe your mind for information, you can just do it to yourself and just, you know, you know, I feel like there's a lot of creative uses there. Um, this one, uh, this one is the one that stood out to me the most. Um, and I think, (laughs) I just think it's incredible. (laughs) So, so I'm looking over here at, um, at, Otto's irresistible dance. <laughs> uh, choose one creature that you can see within range. The target begins a comic dance in place, shuffling, tapping its feet, and capering for the duration. Creatures that can't be charmed are immune to the spell. A dancing creature must use all of its movement to dance without leaving its space and has a disadvantage on deck saving throws and attack rolls. While the target is affected by the spell, other creatures have advantage on attack rolls against it. As an action, a dancing creature can yeah, make a wisdom save to, to lose it. And all of those effects are really strong. Like you ha- <laughs> it having disadvantage and you having advantage on attack rolls, yep. that's pretty insane. Um, but who cares about that? We're not here for the mechanics. We're here for the flavor. And having somebody just do <laughs> like a tap dance just for like a minute is absolutely incredible. How do like, I feel like Toasty would be the one to cast it on the king or somebody important? <laughs> oh yeah, for sure. Yeah, I would do some dumb would. stuff. Don't care. Um, <laughs> but no, I just, I just think that that's incredible. Uh, it, it's just like, imagine threatening someone, you know, like you better, you better answer my questions or you better do what I say or else I'm going to, I'm going to make you suffer a fate worse than death. Oh, <laughs> they're thinking all the bad things you can do. And then you just make them dance. Yes. <laughs> Irresistibly. Dance. Yeah. So oh, that, that's based off my cursory glances. So, yeah. Well, Sergio, what do you got? I've got a couple. Uh, the first one is a six level spell called Magic Jar. Mm-hmm. Your body falls into a catatonic state as your soul leaves it and enters the container you use for the spell's material component, that being um, a gem or some sort of like um, uh, decanter of sorts, <laughs> a crystal decanter. Yeah. Um, while your soul inhabits a container, you are aware of your surroundings as if you were in the container space. You can't move or use reactions. The only action you can take is to protect your soul up to 100 feet out of the container either returning to your living body in any of the spell or attempting to possess a humanoid's body. And that's where the fun comes in. (laughs) You can attempt to possess any humanoid within 100 feet of you that you can see. Um, It says that creatures warded uh, from protection of good and evil and or magic circle are are immune, can be possessed. Uh, The target must make a charisma saving throw. On a failure, your soul moves into the target's body and the target soul becomes trapped in the container. So you're essentially like kind of swapping souls with this with this creature on a on, on this humanoid. On a success, the target resists your efforts to possess it, and you can't attempt to possess it again for 24 hours. So once you possess a creature's body, uh, your your stat block is replaced by this creature by this by, by this mm-hmm. creature's stat block. Although you retain your alignment and your intelligence, wisdom, and charisma scores, uh, you retain the benefit of your own class's features. 
but if the target has any class levels, you can't use any of its class features. Yeah. And so you have essentially, you have possessed, you have possessed someone else, which if you really want to have some fun, <laughs> that's the way to go. See that, that, that spell seems like a spell that I would make a whole adventure, you know, like, yeah, you know, it's such a powerful spell. It would be a thing that takes lots and lots of time to get through. And, and, and yeah. Uh, yeah. My second one is, uh, from third and fourth edition, they haven't. Uh, the Book of Vile of Darkness has not made it to fifth edition. I don't know if it ever will, uh, unfortunately. <laughs> the Book of Vile of Darkness has a spell called Stop Heart, which you would definitely have to amend to fifth edition rules because um, what Stop Heart does is that um, they have a, fortitude, a fortitude saving throw negates it, mm-hmm. but a channeling hatred and spite the caster calls upon dark power to give the subject a massive heart attack the subject suddenly drops to negative eight hit points uh which is the the third edition of this all where you had to get to negative 10 to die uh so to uh to convert this to fifth edition you essentially like uh you they drop to zero hit points and have to start the death saving uh throw process mm-hmm. but I mean, that's so OP. Oh yeah, you are you are taking someone out. Oh yeah, of, you know, not maybe not for good, but definitely for for a while. Hmm. But I mean, that's yeah, just you, taking them to the death saving throw process. You know, where they can either begin it themselves, someone else can stabilize them, and you know, start them up again. But you know, that's that that has possibility to kill right yeah. then and there, big time. Mm. I actually have a uh, homebrew spell that was used for a while that's similar to that. But instead of heart attacks and things, if if the uh, creature manages to grasp, physically grasp the heart of an opponent, they can actually control that opponent as if. Uh, oh, goodness, it slipped my mind. Uh, as if they've been cast with a control method spell. Nice, yeah. And it's permanent as long as they retain the heart. That's they can do it as long as they want. Um there's no death to it unless you decide to, you know, chuck the heart and call it a day. <laughs> but Say yeah. No thanks. Yeah, no thanks. But the save on it is it's very it's very hard to actually succeed mm-hmm. on that spell because it is such an OP spell. So what else you got for us, Surge? That's it for me. Those, those are two of my favorite. All right, here we go. Toasty. Toasty keeps thinking I'm going to throw Wish out there. My all-time favorite spell. I didn't nine... think I know. I just told you <laughs> you weren't allowed to do it, so therefore you can't anymore. So my actual all-time favorite spell, ninth level, is Prismatic Wall. Yeah, okay. And there are multiple reasons why. So I'm just going to read the description out here. A shimmering, multicolored plane of light forms a vertical, opaque wall up to 90 feet long, 30 feet high, and 1 inch thick, centered on a point you can see within range. Alternatively, you can shape the wall into a sphere up to 30 feet in diameter, centered on a point you choose within range. The wall remains in place for the duration. If you position the wall so that it passes through a space occupied by a creature, the spell fails and your your action and spell slot are wasted. The wall sheds bright light out to 100 feet 
and dim light for an additional 100 feet. You and creatures you designate at the time you cast a spell can pass through it and remain near the wall without harm. If another creature you can see the that can see the wall moves within 20 feet of it or starts its turn there, the creature must succeed on the constitution saving throw or be blinded for one minute. The wall consists of seven layers, each with different color. When a creature attempts to reach into or pass through the wall, it does so one layer at a time through all the wall's layers. Now, this is important because of what the colors mean. And I'm just going to skip all the rest of it to get to this. Red wall, creature takes 10d6 fire damage on a failed save and half on a success. While this layer is in place, non-magical ranged attacks can't pass through the wall. The layer can be destroyed by dealing at least 25 cold damage. Orange. Creature takes 10d6 acid damage on a failed and half on a success. Yellow. Creature takes 10d6 lightning damage. Green. 10d6 poison. Blue. 10d6 cold. Indigo. On a failed save, the creature is restrained. If it is successful, saves three times, the spell ends and it fails. It or the spell ends. If it fails, they are permanently turned to stone. Violet, the creature is blinded. So basically, you you put up this giant barrier that they have to get through all this ridiculous nonsense to get to you. And you could defeat each layer based on, you know, oh, if I cast cold in here and destroy it, it's destroyed. You know, you can destroy each layer as you go. But those last two layers, you pretty much have to endure. Like there's no if, ands, or buts about it. You got to endure it. And it gets it just gets more and more ridiculous as everything goes on. That's why it's Man. my favorite. Yeah, it's it's a it's a <laughs> it's hectic as hell. That is <laughs> yes. a heavy duty one for sure. Yes. That is it's a heavy uh, duty one. That is brutal. I have I remember used the artwork. This. I have I remember used the artwork this. from the uh, from the player's handbook. It's like mm-hmm. it's just like some guy like standing in front of this wall. It's like the hell, <laughs> like out in the middle of a forest. It's great. Yep. Um, I don't know if it still does it, but I know back in the day you could actually use prismatic wall to deflect and pretty much just stop dead in its track magic missiles. You could just throw this bad boy up, and that was it. Magic missiles useless. Um, oh yes, oh yes, that ninth level smell <laughs> spell prismatic wall. Screw <laughs> you, magic missile, you first level piece of shit. <laughs> well, yeah, but you magic are missile, it, it doesn't matter. <laughs> magic missile uh, levels up with you, so mm-hmm. yeah, it gets more violent as thing go- uh, as it goes on. Um, another one we can't forget. Come on now, power word kill. You utter yeah. a word of power that can compel one creature you see within range to die instantly. If the creature has 100 hit points or fewer, it dies. Simple. It's one of those, yeah, oh. one of those, <laughs> like, like a stop heart, like, to mm-hmm. take someone out of the game almost immediately. Yep. See, the we've actually had, within the Fumbling 4 crew, we've had discussions what it means by power word. And I have made the decision as DM that power word just means you choose a word of power. So you could literally just scream power at somebody and point at them and they're dead. Well, see, I like to think of it as, you know, because it's it's so a uh, high level spell that 
it's something it's uh it's it's word that from uh, a language that's been forgotten for millennia that you know no one mm-hmm. the language that people haven't spoken for forever and that you know that they learn they through their like you know um whatever it may be their their studies or whatever like they learn that this this word yeah i mean yeah. we used to do it that way but then we decided that's not funny because i want to look at somebody and they go pancakes just so forcefully <laughs> and you're like what uh that's power word kill i need you to make a saving throw <laughs> Now it's you don't but, uh, get a save. You're just dead. <laughs> Before uh, we get to the magic item of the week, Stuart, you got to run. Is there anything that you would like to plug mm-hmm. before you get going? Oh, yeah. Um, firstly, thanks for to today. It was good to chat about uh, some spells again. Uh, always welcome in the tower. Thank you very much. <laughs> um, I built this tower, man. Um, <laughs> what much bear two bare hands? Um, uh, you can get what's so rotten about zombies defending an ancient temple in print on Exalted Funeral. There it is. There, mm-hmm. I don't actually have it in print yet because it do. comes from America. Oh, so I I, in Australia, it hasn't been sent here yet. Uh, <laughs> on on where? On where again? Uh, a website called Exalted Funeral. Mm-hmm. Uh, so they they do all sorts of tiny RPG stuff, and they do they also do some really really big Kickstarters. So uh, they're a great website for rpg resources uh you can find links to that on my website yeah, well, which is stuartwalkinson.com and at my twitter um yeah i got a bail yeah, we'll, which is a bummer but thank aw, you very much yeah, we'll, guys. we'll include links to all those the mm-hmm. exalted funeral uh, your own personal website and your twitter in the, yep. in the show notes yeah actually cool, cool, they're cool. already included in the show notes oh. Bamo. they've been included Ooh. for a while <laughs> boom <laughs> all right see you later guys say thank uh, you so much so what's our magic item of the week? <sighs> okay. So this is another magic item near and dear to my heart. It's been in 10 campaigns. Count them. 10. We have the bangle of counterspell. Okay. Now, this item does exist in D&D, but I have tweaked it just ever so slightly because the original one, it comes standard. You just get it, you you counterspell, and then that's all she wrote. However, with this one, you can actually choose to forego spells per day to add counterspells of equal spellcaster level to the bangle. So, for example, if you decide I want to forego my one-ninth nine level my one ninth level spell today, and I want to add a ninth level counterspell to the bangle, you may do so. And it does not disappear. Here's here's the catch to it. It does not disappear at the beginning of a new day. So you could literally spend a you know a week just ninth ninth level, ninth level, ninth level, and you could gather seven ninth level spell slot counter spells in this bangle. Yeah. Okay. But it, here's, so there's no limit. There's no limit. You can you can do as much as you want. However, if you use a counter spell from that bangle. The minute you do so, you must use all the counter spells in that bangle within the next 24 hours or you lose all of them. Use them or lose them. Use them or lose them. So as so, soon as you break the seal, mm-hmm. 
it's it's like an avocado it's you know it's, yep there's it's gonna be good for only so long yes bingo <laughs> now it's I like have, an avocado there you i go. have like, i've had many a people bank spells for days in this thing i've had the highest i've ever had was 23 ninth level spells banked in here and to see a player's face when you look at them and go, congratulations, you've used it. Now you have 24 hours to use the rest and their face drops because they just fought <clears throat> the BBEG and there's nothing left. <laughs> it's 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 they ever so known. pleasing. <laughs> they should have. I mean, that's a. Uh, and you, you see that as well, like with um, in like video games, but, uh, you know, in TTRPGs where you you're not sure you want to you want to hoard your spell slots as much as mm -hmm. possible you don't know what's next yeah and i'm just like you know you gotta you gotta understand that you know there's your your rink you know your lieutenants your your rink your soldiers mm -hmm. you know that's that's you know you, once you once you fight the big bad you know you're good you should be good for a while although that would be uh and but it's all i mean i'd say like it's like it's a that would be a fun way to prevent metagaming. Oh yeah. Is to have another big bad, but you don't want to um, TPK your party. No. No. By giving them two uh two uh hard encounter in encounters in a row. So. Now, we do have an additional magic item this episode. Ah, oh, I know I spoil what? you. I I know I spoil. I spoil. What? No. No, <laughs> this is insanity. This can't be. So, in addition to the bangle of counter spells, we have the you ready for this one? The Bangle of Spell Slot Storing. So, this one Why? Was... Whatever could that be, Frit? <laughs> oh, no. There's just so many things mm. that that can translate to. So I have no idea what you're going to say next. <laughs> well, this one actually works a little different than Spell Slot Storing. Normally, with Spell Slot Storing, you can store a spell slot and pull it out of reserve anytime you want. However... Mm -hmm. This one allows you to store and stack spell slots. So if I stored four first level spells, I can cast all four of them simultaneously to cast a fourth level spell. So, you know, those wizards that are like fifth level and they already know a ninth level spell because they found it in a tome. Well, this is the bangle for you. You're not powerful enough to cast mm. it, but you can stack those spell slots and get a ninth level spell. Okay. So this is this is how it works differently. Now, the drawback, because there's always a drawback to these major magical items. Again, if you cast a spell or multiple spell slots from this bangle, all the other stored slots have to be expended in the same 24-hour period, or they are lost. There you go. Now, That's these bangles are a set. Now you don't have to when you if you want to introduce them in your own game you don't have to but the way I've always introduced them is the moon and sun bangles. Okay. Obviously because they're you know yin and yang they're the counters of each other. Um, right, right, right. These are classified as artifact items, so they are very expensive and there are only one of a kind. You cannot get multiples of these. Um, you know, once they're gone, they're gone. That's it. If they're destroyed, you can't get another one. Mm. Uh, Part them with your life. Yes. But yes, these are our two magical items for today. Excellent. Uh -huh. Well, the 
That was a that was an episode chock full of spells and fun, and <laughs> I can't wait till till next month to have another conversation mm. with this. Yes. Yes. Have a conversation with your patrons. Yes. <laughs> That's all right. I, it's you're okay. not my patrons, so I can throw shade at you. No. <laughs> oh. okay, we, can't, we can't take anything away from you. Yeah. No, we, we but did, anyway, we, we, we are disappointed we missed our patrons this episode, but that's okay. Everybody's lives get busy and we understand and we'll catch up with them soon. And it's fine. You got me. You're it's blessed. A, yes, of course. I've learned and something about I you roll. today, Crit. What's that? Um, I'm pretty sure you just play D and D to live uh, a power fantasy. A power fantasy. <laughs> I think that's why we all play D and D. I no, I do it to get out of the real world. I don't actually like. I I play tabletop specifically to like, you know, just get like get out of my head for a while and mm-hmm. not be like part of the real world which means i like to go for all the creative choices and things i never go for the op stuff ever um it sometimes the stuff that i choose happens to be op like the rune knight fighter that i did yeah. was really ridiculous i didn't mean for it to be but oh well um but yeah like a lot of the spells you chose were just really strong <laughs> prismatic wall which is busted power word kill like and then you know <laughs> the bangle of counter spell and the bangle of spell slot storage. There's a lot of op crap here that you're <laughs> playing with. So uh, yeah, but the that's almighty, what makes the op crit. The op crit. Yes, I like it. Now I have played my fair share of goofy characters, but when I play an op character i play an op character there is no mercy from me i usually reserve those op characters for those dms that think oh, i'm the best well i'm going to school i've never had one of those maybe that's why i've never done it <laughs> i've had a few of those i've, I've never had any of those mm-hmm. i've just i've had i have creative dms open-minded dms yeah. that's it's I have so I go I've had a lot of those stuff. as of recent, but when I'm I, in my younger D&D years, I had a lot of DMs that were like, I'm better than everyone else, and I have to prove it somehow, and then you have yeah, to school yeah. them. Yeah, that, that very combative mm-hmm. DM. Yep. That's fair. Yep. That's fair. Yep. Okay. But at any rate, let's wrap this show up. Toasty, do you have anything for us? No, not really. <laughs> no, I just showed up. They let me in. It's no, not a big deal. I mean, to be fair, that is what happened. <laughs> I was in chat and they were like, we don't have any patrons. Do you does Toasty want to join us? And then they sent me an invite. So uh, come on in. I feel um, I feel like yeah. I feel like we invited you more so because you're a show host and it was a show host episode. It quickly uh, turned into that. It definitely didn't have anything to do with the fact that I was the only one in chat at the time. <laughs> oh, definitely not that. Definitely not that. No, no. Um, yeah, no, if y'all don't know, I am Toasty. I am I am one of the hosts of the Witcher lore cast mm-hmm. along with Tom. You know, mm-hmm. Big Tom, the, the big guy. Um, and uh, we are, yeah, Witcher lore cast, Witcher lore cast on Twitter. If you want to go follow us. Um, and I guess in a, a, a lot of cyberpunk stuff. You apparently. do. You do. And uh, apparently <laughs> other things now. Well, well, actually, I'm going to steal. I'm going to steal the floor real quick because I'm, I'm going to go ahead and officially announce this. 
It's not stealing the floor. Well, it's not. <laughs> it's our uh, floor. It's our floor. <laughs> I don't so, care. I'm here now. So <laughs> I'm sleeping on it. <laughs> Toasty is also going to be a one of our regulars for our new podcast that's coming out, which is the Avatar Legends podcast that will be coming out, hopefully, fingers crossed, sometime this month. Nice. Excellent. Uh, yes. You don't have a large window to manage that um, <laughs> because it's the last day of this month. Um, well, so, I'm sorry. You know. I'm sorry. When this airs, it'll be October. So oh, okay. the sometime in October, we will be oh, okay. airing the first episode. Okay. I'm dating this podcast a little bit. No, not that <laughs> nobody knows about the date this podcast um, goes live. <laughs> but yes. So there's, there's, uh, there's our, our toasty toastmeister. Yeah, uh, I'll be there. You'll be there playing a firebender. Yeah, I'm playing air. Nice. But- <laughs> All right, Sergio, what do you got for us? Uh, well, you can join us on the Robots Radio Discord, the D&D Lorecast channel. Mm-hmm. If you have any questions about spells or uh, any ideas about spells, like if we uh, if we dunked on a spell that you actually love and you can give us a reason why it's actually cool and, and not dumb. Like we'll we tell said. you why you're wrong about that. You're a liar, we'll, Toasty. What? We definitely, definitely want to hear all that. <laughs> definitely uh, want you, uh, want you yeah. to come along and also join all the other text channels on the Robots Radio mm-hmm. Discord, including Toasty's Witcher Lorecast. Uh, all the other shows, all of uh, all of Crit's eighteen live playcasts <laughs> uh, have their own channels on there. What about uh, your co- show? Yeah, I co-host. Your- yeah, I co-host Fandom University, a uh, bi-weekly podcast with my best friend Sean Hamill. Uh, we uh, we we both are real smart. We both got our master's degrees, and we like to talk about all the nerd stuff that we love, but with a more like academic slant. You know, we like to really dig into the stuff and unpack it. You know, right now we're doing um, Halloween movies like the the Michael Myers Halloween movies and just sort of like unpacking the uh, the final girl trope, the uh, uh, theoretical sexual violence behind Michael Myers killing, mm. you know, just stuff like that, you know, more more so than just like the superficial. Oh, yeah. that was a really cool kill. That was really fun. You know, we really like to dig into it. I will say it is a really, really neat dive of what you guys do when it comes to all the different topics. Thank you. You're welcome. (laughs) Right. Well, with Sergio's stuff and Toasty's stuff, I'll throw more stuff at you. Uh, So So much stuff. So much stuff. So we'll start with the other lore cast. We also have the Resident Evil lore cast. Um, Boom. Boom. It's all things Resident Evil. Um, Then we also do the Dungeons & Dragons 5e live play, Fumbling 4 and the Almighty Crit, if you want to... Uh, laugh hysterically and uh, listen to our tomfoolery and antics. Go check that out. Um, we have our live play Call of Cthulhu podcast, 7th edition, the Call of Cthulhu Mythos Mysteries. Boom. We have Cyberpunk Red live play, Cyberpunked. That's Cyberpunk apostrophe D. Um, Boom. I put emphasis on that because uh, you know I really like that. <laughs> yeah. I was their first fan. I'm special. Yeah. Um, and what else do we have? Um, let's see. We got the lore cast. We have the uh, Call of Cthulhu. We have D and D, and we have uh, Cyberpunk. I think 
And coming soon, Avatar. Yeah, coming soon, Avatar. Um, I do have a special announcement, however. For the month of October, we are going to be releasing a very special, um, for now, one shot of another TTRPG. <clears throat> I have been explicitly told I cannot tell you which TTRPG it is, but the invitation is live on all of our Twitters. And it is live in the Discord in all of our Discord chats. So you may feel free to check it out and assume what TTRPG you will. But that episode will launch on the 20, I believe, 29th, 30th, and 31st. Just in time for Halloween. Mm -hmm. And all those links are going to be in the show notes. So if you're not already uh, following us on Twitter or on the Robots Radio Discord, You can definitely click the links in the show lo- show notes to do so. Yes, I will start you know, adding our shows. You know what I really notes. love? <laughs> I really love the fact that you've told me about this this special one shot that you're doing, and I know what TTRPG you're using <laughs> for it. <laughs> and I'll just be nice enough. Well, actually, you know what? I'll just blackmail you right here. Be nice to me, or I'll I'll drop it uh, because I didn't have to agree to this. <laughs> He's not beholden. He's not. Do your power word kill. Go now. <laughs> Sorry. Tacos. Sorry. My HP is at 101. <sighs> Here, pull this knife Got real quick. Again. Uh, <laughs> but thank you so much for listening, everyone. Yep. We appreciate it. Uh, join us again next week. We'll be discussing some more uh, races that, uh, that Tom and Stuart left off the list. Yep. Not exactly sure which one we're hitting up next, but. Uh, it's one of the, I think it's the uh, Genasi, is it not? Yes, it is the Genasi. I am super stoked to talk about him. Uh, the different types of Genasi that you can play immediately out the box when you join uh, D&D Beyond. So we wanted to uh, talk about them and give some insight and some lore and some uh, some tips on how to play them. Yep. So join us next week for that. All right. Until next time, everybody. We'll see ya. Ooh, ooh, ooh. Thanks for listening to the Dungeons & Dragons Lorecast. If you've enjoyed the show, please consider sharing it with a friend, following us on Twitter at DNDLorecast, or jumping on the Robots Radio Discord to chat more with us about Dungeons & Dragons. We'll talk to you next time. You've been listening to a Robots Radio podcast. Smart shows for interesting people. Check out all the shows at robotsradio.net.